Hello, thank you for joining me. You're listening to the Profitable Content Marketing Show. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Phil Jones. Phil is the best-selling author of Exactly What to Say and Exactly How to Sell. He had his first business just at 14 years of age and is the youngest recipient of the British Excellence in Sales and Marketing Award. To date, over 2 million people across 57 different countries have benefited from his training. And as a result, they now know exactly what to say and when to say it. We talked about how Phil started at 14 as an entrepreneur, about closing sales, presenting your package, and of course, the importance of being confident and good at sales. Let's dive right in. I'm so excited to be here with Phil Jones to talk about words that sell today and his amazing entrepreneurial journey. Thank you for being with us, Phil. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Right. Well, I am very intrigued. You know, I was I was reading information about you on your website and I've heard you talk about this before. And I just really wanted to know how you started at 14. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did I start at 14 years of age in business is I guess it probably started a little bit before that is my parents did a wonderful job getting me into a great school. And the school that I got into meant that lots of the kids had different things than what I had in terms of trainers, sneakers, the bag that they would carry, you know, the sports equipment that I'd have on the sports field, et cetera. And I'd always go to my parents and be like, Hey, can I have, can I have, can I have? And I got the recurring answer of no. So um, I started to get this idea of, of how do I go about being able to make money for myself and had this sort of entrepreneurial gene that, that when everything from me selling the homemade sandwiches that my mum had made for me in my packed lunch, right through to then me starting a a little car cleaning business at the age of 14 that had me just knocking on the doors of my neighbors, asking them if they'd like their cars washed. And by the age of 15, that little car cleaning business was making me more money than most of my school teachers. As what I had done is I'd I'd built out quite a, quite a comprehensive round of customers, had kids in the year below that were helping to, uh, to service those customers. And we had a legitimate business that I, I didn't even realize was as such until far later in life, but that's, that's where it all started. That's, that's such, so amazing because, you know, so many of us just, you know, we, we kind of take a while to, to realize the power of actually asking for the sale and, you know, making things happen. So it's just so amazing. That. I think it's about being helpful as well is, is a mistake that many people make is that they think that the ask is, is one-sided. So if you think back even to that early business of mine is, is the reason that we had success in that car cleaning business is that there were literally hundreds of local people who had a car sat on their driveway that needed cleaning, that they couldn't be bothered to clean themselves or to take somewhere that required cleaning. So when somebody interrupted their day for long enough and said, hey, let me take care of that for you for a reasonable fee, then there was a truckload of people that wanted to say yes. And the same is true with every other profession. People aren't sat at home thinking what's, wishing, what's missing from my life today is X. But there are people sat at home today with the problem that your business solves, that if you just show up and say, hey, I'm prepared to help support a difference in progress of you getting better in that given area, then you'll find enough people say yes, if you've, if you've picked the right thing. Indeed, absolutely. That, this is something I, I talk about with my clients a lot because, you know, obviously content is very closely tied to SEO. So we're always talking about, you know, what problems are people typing into Google? 
Right. Um, and of course, a lot of the people that I work with tend to be people who think that Google is going to do the selling for them. So then we always come to the problem that, of course, they've come to the site, you've done everything right, you've done your blog post right, they've clicked on the call to action button and they've booked a call with you. And now you have to call, close the, the sale. So I think sometimes that comes a bit of um, a bit of a, a wake up call in the sense that you know you're you still have to help your clients decide whether you're the best option. Sure, and I think there's there's a lot of fear around that that language of closing the sale, like that 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 amps the pressure on the person that's needing to make the phone call or, or make the outreach towards that other person is like oh dang like this is all on me right now is it's my job to be able to close this sale and if i mess it up i waste the opportunity etc and, and that in my head is just a wrong mindset to have towards that kind of lead generation instead we should stop trying to close the conversation and, and by alternative um close the sale and instead continue the conversation that's all we're looking to do is to continue the conversation with some exploration around, is there a fit? That's what we're looking for, is there a fit here? And I think if you give yourself permission to explore the possibilities and find out if there's a fit, then what naturally happens is you agree terms if there is a fit. And also, if there isn't a fit, you can move away with no loss of momentum. You can you know, continue on with your day without thinking, darn, I lost that sale. There wasn't a sale to be made, you were a wrong fit. And that's okay to be able to then move on. That's right. I think it's it's more the emotional charge that we give it than, you know, probably the the fact that we don't actually close it. It's both. It's both. It is having trained over two million sales professionals around the world is that we think the or the common thought process between most people looking to be able to sell is they think it's about them. And it's never about you and your ability to be able to sell. It's your ability to be able to understand the other person's circumstances. Absolutely. And if you take your content marketing strategies and you say, well, actually, I'm looking to get inside the head of people and I'm looking to be able to understand what problems they might need solving and I'm going to produce content towards that. Well, all your sales conversations are that follow on behind that are a natural progression in conversation to explore more detail about their current circumstances because they showed an indication that they have an interest. If you can then understand their circumstances right and care about their problem more, then what they'll do is trust you with the solution. But you have to take the time to be able to help uh, explore their reality before they're going to grant you that permission. Because otherwise you sound like you care about your solution, where instead you should care about their problem. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have put it better. So, so what you're suggesting is that there is no mindset change here. There's a big mindset change, but you're just going to move to helping. That's it. it. Is fueled with curiosity. Explore a conversation further and find out if there is a fit for you to be able to help them move from where they are right now to where they want to be. And it is that simple, but you have to interrupt their day. See, more often than not, particularly with online leads, is they were flirting. It's the equivalent of them making eyes at somebody across the room. They weren't necessarily saying, let's go on a date, but they were saying, if you asked me on a date, I'd probably say yes. So you still have to make that, that next step, right? They made eyes at you. You've got to walk towards them and say, can I buy you a drink in some way, which means that you've got to pick up the phone. You've got to reach out with an email. You've got to respond on a messenger. But what you want to respond with is a question and a single question. 
Because questions create conversations, conversations lead to relationships, relationships create opportunities and only opportunities become sales. So every response should be a question, not here's the barrage of ways in which I can help you, which is the mistake that the majority of people make. Inquiry comes in, download of information follows in the other direction that overwhelms or confuses the other person into inaction. And people think that no is the enemy of yes in sales. It's not. Maybe is the enemy. Indecision is the enemy. People stuck in maybe is what's preventing the progress from majority of people. Not no. Like knows we can learn from, knows we can move on from, knows we can adjust from, but, but indecision is the real enemy. So how can we help them take decisions more? You know, is there anything in, in the way we speak, in the way we present our, our services, our packages that can maybe help us, you know? Well, yes. I, I think stop presenting packages for starters and start exploring <laughs> other people's situations. Okay. And, and, you know, yes, you might need packages on a web page to help somebody understand where they're at. Um, with most coaches and consultants is what people want is they want a custom solution from them, not a cookie cutter package. Now, you might need a series of cookie cutter packages for you to be able to align the right package with the right person at the right time. But the person on the other end thinks that their situation is truly unique. Therefore, it needs a truly unique set of circumstances on the other side. So give me some real context. Let's play something out at a granular level. If somebody creates a lead, how, for what purpose, and what do they want to provide? Let's, let's set up a set of circumstances, and we'll talk through a conversation that would work. Okay, so somebody has received uh, a booking from the website, and they need to... Um, they need to jump on a, a booking for a discovery call, okay. which, is, which of course, a lot of people would do in different ways. Uh, discovery call. Um, and, you know, they want to basically see if they're a good fit. Um, now, most people do not collect enough information between, between you know, from the, from the form of the discovery call. So I think sometimes... Um, the main problem is that you go into the call with maybe too little information. Um, so how, how do you, you go into the call like with it? too little information, providing you understand that the purpose of the call is to collect the information. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So, That's so right. there's not necessarily a right and a wrong way of doing it. There's just an order of events that you need to work through before you get to being able to make recommendations. And the simple way to think about this is that prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. It's a medical term, but it relates hugely towards the world of salesmanship as well, is that you shouldn't ever, 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 ever suggest to somebody that this is what they need unless you can say these words first and the words you should look to say first are the words because of the fact that you said. Because of the fact that you said blank, blank and blank, then it's for those reasons what I'd recommend is blank, blank and blank. So let's take this discovery call and where do I want to go from the outset of the phone call? Well, okay, so they've booked this and they've scheduled it at a time, right? So it's happening at 10.30 a.m. on Tuesday. Should we That's just use right. that? Yep. So there you are on Zoom, on the call, wherever it might be, at 10.30 a.m. at Tuesday. The first thing I'm going to lean into is I'm going to go back in time. So I'm going to go back in time and say something along the lines of is, what is it about me and my work that makes you think that there might be an opportunity for us to be able to work together? Because I want them to tell me how they found out about me. But I don't want to say, how did you find out about me? And they say, <laughs> Google search, Facebook ad, et cetera. Boom, conversations are over. Mm. What is it about me and my work that makes you think that I might be a good fit? They say, well, you work with three of my friends and they were delighted by the results. That's a different conversation. 
than somebody saying, well, I saw a Facebook ad that interrupted my day and I completed the form and now here we are, right? Completely different setup. So what is it about me and my work that makes you think I'm a good fit? Boom. Then second preface is, so help me understand where you're at. So help me understand your current situation. Then the next frame would be something along the lines of, so how long has this been going on for? Right? People think that there's a problem and then they jump straight to solution. I want problem at scale. So tell me about where you're currently at. They tell me where they're currently at and how long has this been going on for? They then tell me all about that. And, then, and it's not like question, 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 question. It's question exploration, question exploration, question exploration. So, uh, you know, how long has this been going on for? And then I need to tell what are the consequences of that? No, you know, what, it, what is the actual real outcome of this current set of circumstances? What's this costing you is what I'm really looking to get to. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I then might even ask on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being it's like essential and one being meh, how important is it that you make progress towards fixing this? Right? They might say, well, it's like a 9.6. I say, great. Well, I only work with people who are eight and above. Okay, excellent. That was going to be- what they've now done is they've now qualified themselves in. Okay, so the level of urgency, you're gauging the level of urgency as well. Not urgency, importance. Importance, okay. Very interesting. And, you know, is, is there, do you, do you feel that the conversation needs to be different? Um, this is something I, I get a lot of questions about sometimes. Um, is, does the conversation need to be different if, you have a high ticket coaching package or you have a regular coaching package. Okay. Where's the, where's the line between regular and high ticket? I'd love it if somebody could explain that to me. Well, it usually actually depends on the person because for someone, you know, two grand is high ticket and for somebody else, you know, 200 grand is high ticket. You know, it's all about perception. Stop using the language high ticket. I I think it's an internet marketing internal term that has no relevance or bearing on any given customer at any period of time because i've seen people struggle to spend twenty dollars and i've seen people write checks out effortlessly for twenty thousand so like high ticket is your perception not theirs yet what we should be looking to be able to do is to, to explore the conversation to say is it worth it for them see people think that they have to add value to their package to make it worth a high ticket price they don't what makes something high ticket is your ability to solve a high ticket problem that's what right. it comes down to that's right yeah i can sell, say sell tens of thousands of dollars for 60 minutes of my time in a consultation or etc if i'm going to help a company make millions like that's that's a no-brainer but I could take like, like people would say to me, like my speech is worth X, right? I do a lot of work in the professional speaking. No, your speech is worth nothing. Your speech to a given audience to achieve a particular outcome is what's worth the money. So my ability to entertain 1500 people for 90 minutes from stage at a conference that allows them to be able to have increased productivity and efficiency in their sales process to the tune of around a thousand conversations a year, that's worth big money. Same speech. To 1500 people in a park you know in the middle of kansas when they're there for a you know a sunday barbecue it's not worth the same money that's right different context correct so so the process doesn't change the exploration of the questions may well change you know if what you're looking to be able to do is to help somebody to make a decision over purchasing a 300 dollars course 
then you might be able to get to the conclusion that it's worth it earlier. That's right. But it's if you're looking to be able to get somebody to invest in a 12-month long-term one-on-one coaching relationship that's tens of thousands of dollars, the exploration might be more detailed. Why? Because on both sides of the thing, you want to have certainty that it's worth it. Both sides. And your ability to coach or consult does not provide you certainty. Your ability to coach or consult that individual is what provides you certainty, which means you have to understand their current circumstances, their ability to bring their side of the work, your relationship in terms of ability to collaborate over that period of time. And without certainty on that, you are selling a package and your package won't get results. Your relationship with the individual will will drive the results. And if you focus your efforts on results for your client, you help a client fix a $100,000 problem, you can charge 10 grand for that. And that's how I often help people work out their pricing. Your pricing should be circa 10% of the value of the problem that you solve. Interesting. Why just 10%? <laughs> well, because there has to be enough skin in the game, right? In terms of the fact that mm-hmm. it might not work at 100%. Yeah, of course. You make a 50% dent in it. Okay, great. Not only that, is there are other factors that then talk towards this problem too. You're probably not the only solution that somebody is working on to be able to help make progress in that given area. Okay, yeah, of course. They could be working on other things too that, that, that they need to invest in to be able to help them get the outcome. You're only one of the solutions. You're not the solution quite often. I think that's important to be able to consider. The, the other part of, of why, like they have to be the hero of the journey. If you're the hero, you miss the point. So if you take 55% of the value of the problem that you solve, well, you come out the hero of the journey. It it benefited you more than it benefited them? Yeah, it's a bit too much. (laughs) Well, it's unsustainable is what it is. And if, you know, I've I've had 20 years in in the personal brand business And I've seen a lot of people come quickly, make big money quickly and disappear just as quick as they showed up. Like sustainability is important, which means that what you really want to invest in is your, um, your reputation and your reputation should be built on results. So therefore that also keeps you sane, right? As if you focus your pricing on 10% of the problem that you solve, then you can have high levels of confidence that you would deliver a positive outcome for everybody who does business with you. Indeed. Do you think that confidence is a big one when it comes to actually, you know, getting into a sales conversation? Confidence is essential. It's probably the the most important quality to have to succeed in in any sales-related environment. And by sales-related, I mean leadership. I mean selling an idea to your parents or your children. I mean getting a result when you're looking to enter into a conflict scenario with a vendor. Confidence is key, but a thing that people need to understand is confidence cannot be earned without experience. Experience has to come before confidence. So confidence without experience is in fact arrogance. Indeed. So it's the confidence because you already know that you have delivered this many times before and you know this person is the right match for it. Correct. And outside of that, as in your earlier days of building business, then, then enjoy the fact that you're earning your experience. And give yourself permission to play. So if you're looking that you've got three discovery calls to make this week, and you're like, oh, damn, I haven't got the experience. So therefore, I can't show up with confidence. 
say, no, 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 I'm, I'm showing up as a collaborator here. And what many people are looking for in a coach or a consultant isn't somebody who's an expert. They're looking for somebody who has an increased level of expertise to them and they are further on on the journey that they're looking to travel themselves. So not somebody who's at the end of the journey, somebody who's further on. And quite often that's more valuable. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to get great tennis lessons from Roger Federer because he's too far advanced from where I am at tennis. Indeed. But I could get great lessons from, you know, from my local tennis coach here in Florida. That's right. I completely understand that. Yes, I, I, that's how I've hired coaches. You know, when they start going too far where you can't really see how they got there, you're like, no, maybe what they're teaching is not relevant anymore to me. Yeah. So it's I need to, yeah, just one or two steps ahead. That's just enough. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much, Phil. That's been <laughs> bucketfuls of, of value. That's been just such a so amazing. Um, I do have one question that I ask all the people who go on the podcast, and you may have a little bit of a different answer to it. As you know, the, the podcast is called The Profitable Content Show, and we are all about content. Yep. So I know you, you've created a lot of content. I see a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, especially uh, of yours. And is there a piece of content that you have created that has, you know, whether it's a book, an email, maybe that was a mail out, maybe something you did on social media or a blog post, something you've created that gave you really good return on investment or, or you know, had a big impact on your business? Um, I guess the, the, the short answer to that is this little book. So my book, Exactly What to Say, has now sold almost a million copies around the world. It's transpired into the creation of i don't know maybe 50,000 pieces of unique content that have spun out off the back of this little book wow. um, and been repurposed yes. into a variety of different ways it always um, sits on my desk i love it well, I, I just <laughs> jump brilliant. up here and i know that some of you are you know on, on audio but that is just some of the versions of exactly what to say that exist Oh, okay. Wow. I wasn't aware of all the versions. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and they're custom versions for industry. They're international translations. Um, there's a, a lot of mileage in it. And, and what's interesting about exactly what to say as a, as a piece of content is people think it's about the book. It, it's not. It's when you get content right, you create a movement. Like what's almost happened is is my brand is now synonymous with the word exactly, just like Simon Sinek is um, synonymous with the word why. And your ultimate goal, I would say, when looking to build any content-based brand is to see if you can, if you can own a word. Wow. And, okay. and that, that is almost the utopian goal to be able to run to from content is, is can there be a word that can't be said without that being you without people thinking of you yes <laughs> right and, and, and you can't you know think four-hour work week without jumping to tim ferris indeed you indeed. can't hear the word vulnerability without thinking about brené brown absolutely right and, and, and there are is the ability to be able to own words so it's not a singular piece of content it's a compounded piece of content with a rich epicenter with a plethora of content that comes out from it. 
And interestingly enough, today is an example of a piece of content that is created off the back of exactly what to say, of which was a keynote speech that I met you at an event that you said, would I come onto your podcast to talk about word choices towards people in a different environment? And guess what? That content is now compounding to be able to create a bigger piece. So two types of content. One is the you know, advice-based piece that means that somebody finds you through search. The second is the content that is created that interrupts somebody day, somebody's day for long enough that introduces you into a new relationship. And exactly what to say has introduced me to millions of people around the world and nobody was looking for it. Amazing. It is really an exceptional book in the sense that you can read it cover to cover, read it on the flight back home, very yeah. easy to read, but it has sat on my desk since because every time I can't find a word to put in an email or anything yeah. I'm writing, I'm going to pick up the book. So Actually, I do have a question about the, the format of the book. You said you've done lots of different, different mm -hmm. rehashes, but this format, uh, the one I've got, is, is just amazing. You know, what's, how, how is it? Is there a formula behind it? Is it, you know, is it, um, is it designed sort of on something else? Is it designed on a talk? Is it, what's it designed on? It, it's a talk. Now, the mistake many people make when they produce a how-to book is they produce it without the experience of training that content. They've introduced that idea once and then they say, here's how you do this. Is the content around exactly what to say first was born in a book in 2009 called Magic Words. Before that book called Magic Words was released in 2009, I delivered the talk over a hundred times. I'd introduced it to training programs over 500 times. And exactly what to say is, in fact, the rewrite of the book that I wrote in 2009 called Magic Words. So what you're looking at is you're looking at a piece of content that has been evolved, resharpened, repolished, repackaged um, over longer than a decade in terms of where it comes from. And, and people often say, well, the book is only sure. Now, writing a big little book is remarkably difficult easy to write a long book writing a you know big little book is is powerful too because what people fail to understand about content creation is content creation is a is a fight for the attention of somebody else right absolutely and then how much of that attention you can keep mm -hmm. i did some research into the book space and i found that next to nobody reads complete books right next to nobody wow okay <laughs> um you know they skim read they pick up they work their way through it and then they've read the book right that way around there are very few people that actually go line by line word by word throughout the content of the book and if you did a traditional 40 to forty-five thousand word book would take you around eight hours to read that's right yeah so you might be saying well the book's only twenty dollars no it's not the book is a day of somebody's life which is mm -hmm. a fairly piece of attention yeah. What's interesting, though, is if you take a book like mine that is only asking for an hour of somebody's life, when you deliver value in that hour, what happens is you actually get more hours of attention from that person over a period of time than if you write an eight-hour book. Because like what you've said is it sits on your desk, it becomes a table talk, or it's something you revert back to. And I got some data back out of Audible the other day and exactly what to say is the most listened to non-fiction audio book on Audible. The most listened to. 
average, average of like nearly five times listened through. And there aren't many books that people listen to five times. There aren't many movies people watch five times. Yes, gosh, five times. That's true. <laughs> Maybe my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. Not any books I can think of. But yeah, that is why it sits on the desk because I think its strength is that because you can, you can absorb it so quickly, you can also remember what's in it and you can also remember why you need it. So right. you can dip back into it really easily. I think everybody needs a signature piece of content that simplifies one of their most useful ideas or one of their biggest mm -hmm. ideas that can be used on repeat. It's the kind of thing that you share person to person as opposed to is just found on your web page. But say, for example, you're in the business of helping people produce a podcast show. You should have a 16, 24 page ebook, blog article, you know, some form of how to guide that is regularly updated with new platforms, et cetera, that says, here's how you do it. That's right. In whatever your area of expertise is. And that becomes your signature move piece of content. And, and, and I think that if you produce content with a decade's worth of experience, I had, you know, behind it and ahead of it with that foresight that this is to last 10 years, not to increase traffic to my site then what you do is you, you think differently. Wow. Um, I mean, so that's, that's, that's the secret then. <laughs> the, yeah. Ask for less, ask for less time and give much more, much Correct. more value. And over delivering it. Wow. <laughs> I'll certainly be taking your advice. I have been reading exactly how to sell as well <laughs> because I don't deal with sales, but I obviously provide people with leads. So then that's the next natural step, which of course, um, with a nice handshake, I think I will start buying my clients your book. <laughs> Very good. So when can people find you, Phil? Where can they find um, you? I'm pretty easy to find. If people punch into Google, Phil space, M space Jones, you'll find me on wherever your preferred social platform is. In terms of me personally, I largely show up on either Instagram or LinkedIn more than any others. Insta handle is uh, that one. So at Phil M. Jones UK. So you'll find me there, um, which should be pretty easy to be able to locate and continue the conversation. If you have questions, things you want to comment on or things you want to ask back, come find me there. And website is philmjones.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Phil. We will add the links to your books and to your, and to your website in the show notes. And thank you so much for being with us. Huge pleasure. Thank you for having me as part of the show. Thank you for listening to the Profitable Content Marketing Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share it with friends and colleagues and anyone you think is going to find this useful. If you'd like to give me some feedback or a question, leave a review on iTunes or a comment on the YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. Whatever you do, make sure you don't miss the next episode because we have more juicy content coming your way. See you in the next episode.